Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Recording now. Nice. <laughs> this is another professional start. This is the another professional start. Start as you mean to go on and how we left off. Welcome to 2021. <laughs> Happy New Year, Mr. Jules Gill. Happy New Year, Mr. Scott Telford. <laughs> Thank you very much. We, I was going to say, we're your host. We are whatever the hell we are. UBP, 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 UBP. UBP. <laughs> and check out that amazing artwork, by the way. Oh my God. I, we did a little tweet and we got one of the best responses we've had uh, so far. We put the little artwork out, which, which Rich, which Rich put together, Mr. Rich Hudson. <laughs> Um, incredible piece of artwork over on Twitter of just cartoon versions of me and you. It's um, so cute. So cute. And you know what? The best response was that somebody <laughs> was just like, I thought that that was uh, Kratos and his son. And I was like, you know what? You know oh, what? That's absolutely fine. That's absolutely fine. To be fine. fair, that's probably how Atreus is going to look in God of War 2. Like if he's aged a little bit and got a little bit of chin fuzz, then... I can't maybe. wait for him to be rocking the funeral for a friend t-shirt when he goes through his <laughs> difficult years, you know? <laughs> what was that one album? Oh, was it History that they did that was everywhere? Uh, no, Ours. Ours was the top was it dog. And then it was, um, was the song. Casually Dressed. That was... Oh, Oh, I remember when people used to compare Funeral for a Friend with uh, Bullet for My Valentine. It was like, one right. the, you could only be one of a fan of one of the, one of the other. Do you know why that arose? No. Because they're both from Pontypreeth. They're both from, uh, they're both, or Pontypool. I can't remember you which one of them. You said that perfectly. Words. That was the perfect Welsh <laughs> pronunciation. They're both, they're both there. So there was a rival thing between like Bullet for yeah. My Valentine and Funeral for a Friend. So you picked one then. It just kind of escalated. I, I, I know that Kerry upstairs is probably listening just like, it was a, it was a different Welsh place. But <laughs> that's what's one that stuck in my mind. I, uh, I was definitely a Bullet fan, although I liked that one video that Funeral did. Um, hopefully people can get in touch. Let us know whether you're a Bullet fan or a Funeral for a Friend fan. Yeah, that's um, the most important question that it definitely come is. out of this. The thing is, we asked, uh, like I said, we had an incredible response. Thank everybody so much for all the questions that you sent in. We had 47 questions uh, on my tweet. You had a whole bunch on your side, like another that's 11. Mad. I've combined them. I've put them in a sort of vague order of just things that we'll get to. And we'll try to get into the take trough. Into the take trough. We always carry stuff forward. Whatever we don't get to, one week gets rolled over. Um, anyway, first question from Anne. Andre, Andre, who says, UBP, 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 UBP. Uh, welcome back, gents. Welcome to this thing for us to you as well. Um, here is my burning question for you. Do you think that Cyberpunk 2077 should release a multiplayer mode or work on restoring the cut content? I guess um, neither. Is what happened <laughs> neither. Like, this is the thing. Uh, it should be focusing on making sure that the previous console generations are patched up fully. Mm. That is that is where all of the resources should be going. Mm. Um as I've stated before, I was lucky enough to do the uh, review and I got an advanced copy of Cyberpunk and it played perfectly fine on my high-end, like admittedly high-end uh, mm. PC. Um, after seeing the PS4 <laughs> and the Xbox One performance, I was really shocked. Genuinely, I had, I had no idea what yeah. was going on with that and there was no footage or anything going on. So that's where their focus should be. But mm. 
if we were only allowed to choose between a multiplayer mod or cut content, I think the multiplayer mode would be too grandiose and maybe mm. ruin what is very special about the personality of Cyberpunk. I think that it would become way too chaotic if you added it in with even that proper when implementation. The- yeah, even when they announced it, it felt like a weird bolt-on thing. Like they're not a studio mm-hmm. known for multiplayer, and the, the the crafting system, the loot system that's in Cyberpunk is kind of serviceable. Like it's it's fine. You can make a fancy yeah. gun, a fancy katana, but like the idea of picking up epic and legendary loot and stuff that feels just a bit random in, in amongst how well designed everything else is. Mm-hmm. So I think spinning off a whole multiplayer mode and maybe because I I don't even know if it would be free to play with microtransactions or whether it would be some sort of paid thing, but I think it would have to have that loot system in it, and I think that would sour it so much more right now if they went. Mm with that you um you raised a very good point with the crafting and loot systems Mm. they had modes in there that were really quite in depth but they aren't really explained that well in the game and i feel like adding multiplayer on top of that kind of buries uh rotting problems that need to be Mm. addressed first so i would say that restoring the cut content and making it user friendly as possible is should be their modus operandi like yeah it's definitely the past gen stuff um like i said most of that stuff just looks like google earth and i've put like 80 (laughs) hours into it on ps5 and it still crashes every sort of hour so it just dies um it's way better on xbox but um or in terms of the crashes anyway um but in terms of the cut stuff like there's obviously there's the police ai and there's npc Mm -hmm. ai and stuff like that Mm -hmm. things that honestly i didn't notice first time through i wasn't trying to play cyberpunk like gta i wasn't trying to get a wanted level or anything like that um but once you notice it you can't not notice it so i I get that but um the stability side of it for last gen is is, should be prioritized um next question from the daft knight great name um (laughs) i know you're a legacy of kane fan i'm gonna assume that's both of us because i'm pretty sure you're a legacy of kane oh man Soul Reaver is the tits. Oh, I love Blood Omen 2. And it was only like me and my friend Stee that liked Blood Omen 2. But that was when Blood you Omen 2 was the was that the PS2 only one where you got to play as Kane again and you were basically going around it was like Tenchu meets um like vampires. It's it? really weird. Yeah, you, you play as Kane. It was on Xbox as well, but um it was yeah, you play as Kane, it's like over <clears throat> over shoulder camera, um, and you just sort of run around sort of semi-open world spaces, some oh, more than nice, others. Yeah. But you do get really cool vampire powers. You can punch a guy's heart out from behind, <laughs> show it to him in front of him, and then drop it on the floor like Dave Chappelle in Blue Streak. Uh, the classic Carly uh, Mar move. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Literally. And it's like you can anytime there's any mist in the world, you can just go into like a mist state and then walk around in mist form and then just oh it was really cool. I know it's animated horribly now, but it was it was love like at the time, just full on over the top vampire power fantasy. Um anyway, dude's question um yep. says, I know you're a legacy of Kane fan, yes, clearly. Yeah, um, do you see any hope for the franchise? Not really, to be honest, because all the original <sighs> nice creators God. have left. Like Amy Hennig is doing her own thing, um, she could maybe kickstart something. Um, mm-hmm. but uh Kane Legacy of Kane defined did have an ending i forget what the hell it was but i remember defiance being an ending i don't know what to do with legacy of Kane now well they struggled to try and bring back the series with nosgoth and Mm. they did it in such an appalling way that unfortunately it has really yeah that's the thing it's just stale the ip so much Mm. um if they brought it back i wonder if it's worth them doing a remaster or a remake of uh, blood omen one because obviously going back to that game is so different in terms of how it plays Mm. um and aesthetically and just like mechanically if they were to revamp that give it Mm. the same treatment that like put that in the soul reaver gameplay style i think that that would be phenomenal just reboot the franchise and do that keep the story the same but just change everything about the mechanics i'll tell you what actually I'd, i i would i agree with you uh, other than i would keep i would keep the top down stuff because i think the the cult sort of success of things like divinity original sin kind of mm-hmm. brought back top down rpg stuff and i know that legacy of kane isn't this revered rpg but it is this top down adventure game yeah with a little that, bit of combat. that could work 
I just think you, you've got to get Simon Templeman as Kane. Like, just dude's voice is yeah, incredible. Yeah, so iconic. I, I forgot about the original. Stupidly, I just said Blood Omen 2. I forgot there was a Blood Omen 1. <laughs> yeah, Blood Omen 1. Get, put that back. Um, do, like, a full sort of upscaled version of it with, like, Demon Souls-looking graphics. Yeah, like, that would be amazing. Dude, you know what? I love I love the best bit about it is the opening bit where, obviously, you're, um, uh, you're Kane and you're just, mm-hmm. like, a nobleman at this point and you're just, like, a bit <laughs> of an ass and you just get your ass handed to you. you and, then you, and then you come back and you're like right lads let's try that again shall we <laughs> I, was, so I, love, I love templeman's delivery it's this sort of mix of like sass with uh like being a yeah. badass and he's just sort of well i'll take care of this thing and i'm just yeah. it's great uh, very liquid snake liquid snake and kane from uh, legacy of kane are my two favorite aristocratic <laughs> villain men um next question from michael zane Sorry, success- I'm, just thinking, I'm just thinking of a, a list now 10 biggest video game poshos <laughs> <laughs> 10 evil toffs we like to play as <laughs> Yeah, maybe. <laughs> uh, we've successfully done two questions in about 10 minutes. So that's oh, two, that's God. Well. Um, this tick trough will last us the rest of the year. Next yeah. question from Michael Zane. Um, Given how many games today have patches, DLC, and the possibility of technical and or gameplay improvements, should follow-up reviews be more common? Some games aren't in an end state on release, and, and a final review seems premature. I totally, totally agree with mm. that sentiment. And I do think that there should be more follow-up stuff going on. Like uh, a year later is a, usually a very good point to pick it up. But unfortunately, mm-hmm. it does, it, as I said before in a previous um, episode, the relationship between reviewer and publisher is like symbiotic. Like they need our uh, publicity to sell games and we need them in order to see it, to have like legitimacy in the world and be taken like as a credible like mm-hmm. source of authority. Um, going back and doing stuff a year later, it, Unfortunately, all you're doing is really raking up bad memories if the game was in a terrible state. But we've done retrospective stuff with like No Man's Sky. For example, you did the review for No Man's Sky when it came Mm. out and you did like a few follow-up things afterwards. And seeing that progression means that you're fully informed. Mm. I just feel like with the huge changes to gameplay, you're never really able to inform the consumer properly. And that's the where is, the issue is. Yeah, and like mentioning like a final review seems premature. There's almost no such thing as a final game. Like it's very no, rare that no. uh, the game stays. I mean, it's not like even, you know, games can get massive patches years after the fact or content can be unearthed or whatever. I do think that we try and do the main review at time of launch or whatever. We try and do that stuff to try and be, like you said, as authentic as possible and try and get something out um, to be, sorry, be as authoritative as possible on the subject matter. And then we try and do our own version of follow-up coverage which tends to just be discussion videos or maybe like a follow-up sort of editorial on something there's a ton of coverage on the website that just continues forward um so we try and do that stuff i think um in terms of it being like a norm though like yeah i don't know what you would call it other than just i guess ign do another review and then brackets or they do like you know like the november review or the 2021 review or whatever um so there is that um and channels like racevic have made a really good reputation do fantastic videos of like revisiting halo 3 10 years later or something like that um, so yeah, I think it should be the norm, but I think it's hard to do with a specific label. I do wonder uh, whether or not, um, if that was the case, that review outlets should be encouraged to take down their original review to Ooh. replace it with the more current one, because mm. that's that review does not reflect the state of the game, and no. you could missell people if you give it, say, say our Crash Team Racing review. We mm. both praised that game so highly when it mm-hmm. first came out. Now, if it had had all of the microtransactions and all of the weird economy and all of the changes that Activision pushed in afterwards, my review of that game would be right. much lower than it was than it would be before right. and so i feel like i'm making that second review video my first one my opinions there are not the current opinions 
but it's still getting views it's still yeah, getting yeah, out yeah. to the public circulation i think for me I, I like it as like a historical record like this is the version of the game that launched at the time this is what we said about it at mm. the time how much of that original version is still in the version you're buying now and have have x company learned from their mistakes um i think all that stuff is valid there's obviously the business reality of it still doing numbers or whatever um yeah. but i do think that it, it has a worthwhile meaning in regards to a consumer like i think you can still you should go in knowing what you're you should know what you're getting into and if that's something that was mm-hmm. in a hell of a state if that was on fire the year before then see what that was like back then and then look at something that's more updated um but yeah i mean i think that the overall state of the industry relies so much on patches and and like yeah. release content cut content being released and stuff like that that yeah there should be something as a follow-up and we try and do what we can based on the business model that we have but it's a um, it's an ongoing thing and kind of has yeah. been across the entire eighth generation um so yes basically there should be something um Definitely. francis sean brosnan um with the holiday sale on the playstation store i'm torn between a few games hitman 2 days gone or outer worlds Hitman oh. 2 would be my shout for that now i can actually talk about this because by the time that this goes out it'll be mm. after the embargo won't it, it? will yeah so i so i've been playing hitman 3 you uh, saucy recently. bugger oh man i like it's we were talking about this before mm-hmm. the hitman 3 because of its ability to import hitman 1 and 2 into the game mm-hmm. means that you are getting basically the ultimate hitman experience like there is so much content in this with those two previous games installed that it reminds me get of to run on these <laughs> so yeah, adding it's, it's, everything it's, on it's incredible. Like it's um, what I like about it is that they're doing the approach of like, you know, it's um, uh, you plug games into this. This is yeah. now the core sort of platform and you plug ex- experiences in to make the ultimate experience. Mm-hmm. It's a fantastic game. It runs really well. I've had a really good time with it. So my recommendation <laughs> wouldn't be for Hitman two or maybe it would be for hitman two but also hitman three as well right okay mine would be i'm um, having played like all those games outer worlds didn't click with me at all i know that uh, josh absolutely loves it if you i thought it was great as well yeah i was gonna say if you're up op- if you're up for just sort of diving into a game and just sort of figuring a lot of the puzzles out as you go it that game plays such a specific card with how scarce and how sparse it is and then yeah. you either sort of you either latch on to those various disparate threads of where it actually wants you to go and it's like oh my god this is an incredible feeling of discovery or like me you keep resetting because it's a 20 minute loop and just never finding anything and just feeling lost um, yeah. so and then days gone is just 80 hours of bland i that game i love its open world horror stuff but it didn't it didn't knit it together tightly whereas hitman 2 is phenomenal isn't it so weird by the way that uh days gone really resonated with josh and benroy they it did it, really, for, it did like, for a point and then benroy oh, kept it? going because okay. he loves zombies and then josh was like i'm actually changed to this thing like i'm literally i've been playing it for 60 70 hours i just <laughs> want it to be done but i have to see it through because i've started the story i need to finish um and he just it reminds me of when i was in a queue to get into like a um, an anime convention thing that was in town in newcastle uh, where we're from um, and i was in the queue for three hours and i was like well i can't leave now otherwise three yeah, hours already, yeah, yeah yeah and yeah. i just i hated that feeling that sort of just be like well i'm stuck here now um but yeah josh after a while it actually made him quit games for a month because he was like i need to get away from all video yeah. games for a month um <laughs> so yeah i would i think both of us would say hitman you should experience yeah yeah hitman and um, plus it's hilarious as well some of the yes. stuff doing it is just absolutely mad you said one of the new things you were doing was bashing people with coconuts in hitman 3 in one of the opening stages you get to go and uh climb uh this the tallest building in the world mm. um and it's uh, a party at one? the top 
Yes, it's yeah. set in, uh, in Dubai, and um, there's just like a coconut tree in there, and you can just get coconuts. <laughs> and I was like, and they're non-lethal, but I t- trust me, with me in there, Brilliant. I was like smashing people well, in the face. Bit, of them. In the tutorial for Hitman, the 2016 one, the reboot one, when you realize you can just throw wrenches and stuff around, and I know, that it's throw great. animation is brilliant, and the little oh, clunk that it makes. It got even better when somebody found out the glitch that if you um, throw something, but the target moves, um, there's actually like a homing thing on it, oh, really? and somebody found out that if you have a briefcase, I think that it can apply to anything but okay. he they threw a briefcase but the person they were aiming at was on a jet ski just <laughs> as it started off and it follows them around because it's locked in an animation and eventually when it, ca- it caught up with him and just went donk like that and just knocked him over there's there's a such a specific sense of humor to those games like how serious agent 47 takes himself being this incredible yeah. proficient hitman who just gets the job done in the wackiest way possible but never acknowledges it it's just sort of yeah. yeah that's what i did yeah that's what that's what needed to be done to the, take out uh, that target the games have a gloriously self-aware tone and i love it because it's like um even with the npc guards that talk to you as you go past them they're Mm. like oh fancy seeing you again and it's like uh it's like like little like jokey bits and the best bit is is like you uh sometimes dress up as different characters that other people have seen Mm. and they'll see you walking along and they'll be like oh you got a new haircut like they'll they'll mention a little bit about you so it's like they're not completely clueless Mm. but they are dumb if you know what i mean like they don't I don't, I don't, I don't love the, I don't know, the, the clockwork sort of mechanisms that are going on in that game. Like everyone used to praise like Bethesda's open world games and you should, mm-hmm. but I think the the space that they operate in for Hitman, like when you see a crowd for the first time and you realize that every single one of them kind of has a routine yeah. and you can take their clothes and you can become them and everything else. Um, it's a hell of a thing. Um, next question from Scotty, great name. Um, yep. Can you discuss what you expect from Elden Ring and also thoughts on if there'll ever be a Bloodborne 2? Where are you at on Elden Ring? Because it feels like this game doesn't exist. Well, it's uh, with the limited, amount of information that mm. we have it's so hard to even speculate as to what it's going to be all we know is that it's going to be another from software passion project and mm-hmm. like george R. R. martin has apparently come up with the world yeah. and he's worked with hirotaka miyazaki the thing is yeah. there was a big old leak saying that it's got this like ocarina of time style layout where you've got this central field and there's a bunch of different kingdoms all around it and you sort of visit different kingdoms get different weapons and that helps you fight a boss that's at the very top of this entire space and so i think you can pick and choose how you want to go to different kingdoms but that was never confirmed or or anything i mean it's it's at the end of the day until we actually see anything Mm. other than just rumors and speculation you can just basically just imagine it's dark souls (laughs) in a fantasy setting and of course i'm going to be up for that like it's why wouldn't i be i think i hope that the we mentioned it on uh the podcast we did me and ben roy and josh did the like games you didn't know were coming in 2021 pod that's also up as well and like yeah elden ring is meant to be coming this year it was meant to be coming last year but hopefully it's coming this year and um, can i just interject is it bollocks it's not (laughs) it's like there's no way (laughs) they tend to FromSoft tend to stick to a two-year release cycle like demons sort of changed that but it's blue point so it doesn't really count but Mm. um you know they had sekiro in 2018 I think. 2019. Well, to be, 2019. Actually, so. to be fair, that did sort of like arise out of nowhere and then just take the world by storm. They are very yeah. good at sort of shadow dropping their own projects, but it's just, it seems so unbelievable that mm. a, a team of this size and working with uh, people of such caliber as George R. R. Martin, mm-hmm. uh, how would you keep it secret? I don't you know. Be on the promotion train from the beginning. Like. The thing that I'm fascinated by is that for me, George Martin's greatest strength is his character writing. I love his approach to character writing where he improvises a lot of stuff until he yeah. realizes what can intersect and that becomes the main thread. And I love that stuff. 
However, he's only really doing. He, so far, I think he's only really doing the world for this. Whereas Miyazaki yeah. is doing the characters and and the uh, individuals and stuff uh, and the different factions and everything. So I don't know. I want a little bit more Martin in the character writing. For me, it's almost like they should be flipped. Like Miyazaki makes such brilliant, you know, yeah. creepy looking worlds, and I would like them to be populated by Game of Thrones style characters. D- totally, because of the fact that one of the things that the uh, Soulsborne Sekiro franchise isn't known for is mm. character dialogue and interaction. It's about piecing together the Other story than yourself. in the distance. Yeah, and I wonder what would happen if all of a sudden we now get reams and reams of dialogue. Would that mm. alienate hardcore Souls fans because they're like, oh my God, like mash through this fantasy. I want to get to the action <laughs> rather than that. I just want I, vagaries I, I and, and someone laughing. I, for me, yeah. like the trajectory that FromSoft have been on, like Sekiro was their most straightforward, straightforward quote unquote uh, action game because they had cutscenes that a main character who yeah. talked, that a jump yep. button. Like they had all these basic things that for me made it one of their best games, even though it's, it could also be boiled down to just tap L1 at the right time. And that annoyed Definitely. me over time, but <laughs> yeah. their approach to getting more people in sort of worked. Um, in terms of Bloodborne 2, I don't know. It feels like that ship sailed at this point. It's been so long. Like it's we're in the sixth year since it now. I think that it's a, a wholly unique idea. And because mm. it was so centralized about one person's dream about being trapped in the dream, mm-hmm. I feel like to resurrect that idea again probably wouldn't work. So if they were mm-hmm. going to do Bloodborne again, I would like them to abandon the idea of the dream and the endless hunt and instead maybe situate it at another point in that universe's timeline. Right. Maybe um, the fall of the church or maybe mm-hmm. uh, like hundreds of years in the future when everything's gone to pop basically <laughs> I, I i i don't know because i don't like it when they just reuse the same <clears throat> ideas and mechanics again at least within dark souls one two and three they kept it fresh enough by changing mm. the role of the character and obviously instilling at the very beginning that everything was cyclical yeah i feel like bloodborne escapes that so maybe the it thing as well is that like from are so much bigger now than they were before like even like bloodborne they did as a playstation exclusive and sony helped them finish it like yeah. it literally helped some of the um sony had different contractors that helped get that game coded at least i remember reading that at the time um you know and then they went across and did um Sekiro with activision and they sort of went back and forward and i kind of wonder like now they're obviously in a state where they i forget who's publishing elden ring but um it's not a sony exclusive and it's like yeah. it's that kind of thing where are they would they then tie themselves back down to doing a playstation exclusive when they could make so much more money it wouldn't make much financial sense to do yeah that. so I, I think i don't know i think it, i i just don't i don't for me it doesn't feel right anymore it feels like they're onto bigger bigger projects overall i guess we'll see what elden rings like plus it's just a final little caveat mm. um if you keep bloodborne as its own singular thing then you maintain it as a piece of just majestic art it yes. is a phenomenal experience arguably one of the best playing experience things that you can have from a from software game why would you want to potentially tarnish that with a sequel that's yep. the way to think of it if you never get it again yeah yeah and i'm, I'm increasingly tired of sequels for the sake of it so i think just yeah. let it be this totemic thing it's that time of the year your vacation is coming up you can already hear the beach waves feel the warm breeze relax and think about work You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. 
J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Before we go any further, I want to talk to you about today's sponsor, Masterclass. With the amount of time we spend discussing and analyzing video games on this channel, it's always good to understand exactly how these experiences are put together. And fortunately for me, I can do just that with Masterclass. With Masterclass's streaming service, you can learn from the best to become your best, studying and growing with over 200 plus of the world's leading instructors. For me, I've been having a blast using a class on video game design by The Sims creator Will Wright to find out exactly how game mechanics are designed around player psychology as well as learning how important playtesting is to shipping the titles that you and I both love. But it hasn't stopped there, as I've also been brushing up on my practical filmmaking skills directly from my favourite movie director Martin Scorsese, as well as trying to get back in the cooking game with Roy Choi's amazing course on intuitive cooking. Seriously, my kitchen is a mess, but my belly has never been more grateful. For just $10 a month, an annual membership with Masterclass gets you unlimited access to courses on your phone, computer, smart TV, or even via audio-only modes. Even better, every new membership comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, and 88% of members feel that the service has made a positive impact on their lives. And to put the cherry on top of that cake, right now, What Culture Gaming listeners get an additional 15% off any annual membership at masterclass.com forward slash gaming. That's 15% off at masterclass.com slash gaming. What's that? You want it one more time? Well, that's the URL masterclass.com forward slash gaming. Right, now I'm going to watch Tony Hawk try to teach me how to ollie properly. I'll see you all soon. Um, next question from Adrian Orr. Uh, what game do you hate and don't get that other people love? For him, it's Kingdom Hearts or Call of Duty. Does anything oh. come to mind? I've got, I've got one for this, but I don't know if anything comes to mind for you. Um, a game that I hate. Uh, that other people love. Like, <laughs> like, it's, it's just one of those things where like, I, um, I play Daisy right. way too much mm-hmm. so that every single sort of like Battle Royale thing after that seemed to just be either lesser or just more of the same. And because mm. I had been ruined by effectively a, a mod on a game that was badly implemented where you break your legs if you climb down a ladder wrong, right. where the shooting didn't work properly. And, and yet I've invested so many hours into it that I think that I was just done with the Battle Royale formula. Same, and yeah. I hate Fortnite's in your face will do anything for a buck mentality. I just... Do you know what the Mandalorian are? They've got, they've got Marvel now. Do you want that I don't well? care who they team up with, Scott. <laughs> I do not care. It could look, be like... Look, look, if we just, if we just hunker, hunker down, Palpatine's doing his speech, all right? It's part of Star Wars now. That's just, <laughs> that's just what they do. There you go. Yeah, I mean, so that's probably the... Okay, I, maybe I don't understand has maintained its popularity. <laughs> I don't, maybe oh, not, hate's a strong word. No, no, no. You're, uh, that's a brilliant way to put it. Do anything for a buck mentality is in, in, is exactly what they're doing because the amount of different sort of random like oh now like I said they're teaming up doing a Star Wars thing then they're yeah. doing a Marvel thing and yeah. now they're doing the Mandalorian again and yeah I, Fortnite's a law unto itself but um, I don't it's just a bit draining Fortnite. yeah it's a little bit draining uh, my thing and it's literally because I'm going through it but I'm playing um, Kentucky Route Zero at the minute I don't know if you've seen much oh about you that hate game. that. I don't, I don't know what I think. Anyone who's gone through that game, 
that game is the epitome of student film wankery where like it's just one minute it's just it's great and it's really well written and i see what you're going for and i love i love the characters when they yeah. get time to shine but then the next minute it's like 20 minutes of this like crackling static on a computer screen and you're supposed to do one input and then it waits ages and you put another one in it's the xanadu bit and i yeah. was like what is what are you doing to me like i just i don't know and i'm on um, i'm on act four at the minute which is josh absolutely loves kentucky that's the other people love thing and i know all the all, yeah. it's like the critics game yeah. uh, kentucky um and i i just i'm always on that razor thin line with stuff like this where i'm like is it brilliant or have you convinced yourself it's brilliant because it's that level of like sort of you know like a self-indulgent student yeah. film black and white bs that i i either love or i bounce the hell off Whenever I think of moments like that in video games, my mind always goes back to, do you remember the film A Ghost Story? I do. It's the, got Casey Josh loves Ad- that too, yeah. It's the pie-eating scene. Yeah. It's literally that. It's, <laughs> it's, um, it goes from, uh, for those of you who don't uh, know, um, this uh, couple, uh, what the, the man dies and uh, the partner is his female partner is left alive and mm. she's devastated she starts eating a pie in a kitchen and she's crying into it she's like stuffing it in her face and it's very yeah. emotional for the first 30 seconds right. and you wait for the cut and there's a point where it passes to be the perfect bit of cinema where it's uncomfortable agonizing you truly feel her emotional rot but it passes that and it mm. goes into like brechtian theater where like you're um uh, aware that you're watching a film and it's uncomfortable right, right, to you right. but in a non-enjoyable sense you think okay maybe this is a new level of excitement and enjoyment maybe this is a cinematic masterpiece and then it goes into parody levels because it goes on <laughs> for too long yeah. and at that point you're just like this is dumb and they're just trying to just wind me up and it's not working now because i'm just out of the scene yeah yeah and it, that's a good point they're bringing you back to the reality that you are watching a film and you're just sort of like yeah. okay like uh, you know I, I want you. I, I always want a game to respect my time, and yeah. it's not. And, and Kentucky does put you in very. It's it's weird because it's almost a game about mundanity. It's about this mm-hmm. idea of you're traveling on this road and you're traveling through these different spaces and interacting with people and having the most bland conversations possible. But isn't that life? And isn't that rewarding in itself? And isn't that worthwhile? Mm. And I'm like, yeah, I guess so. Kinda. I like talking about it more than I like going through it. But I there's bits and pieces. I just I'm such a mess on it. But I go between. I hate what this represents sometimes. Yeah. Um, and then I love different parts of it. And then the the more every time I message Josh and I'm like, what is this thing? He's like, oh, I love that. And I'm like, yeah. I just there's a bit where you you go between buildings in an office block trying to get a document and every yeah. character tells you oh you need to be on like floor three for that and it's yeah. oh you need to go through admin for that and i'm like what are you doing like i get that you've recreated mundanity but i didn't need it i didn't need it. i would have taken legacy of kane over this we had so, um, a discussion uh, about red dead redemption 2 and its mundanity and the yes. chores you remember the how the uh the, the camp chores and yep, this is kind of seems like a similar grain left and right it seems it's, like it's a similar like argument that. Yeah, and it's um, I, I can see the value in it. I'm the most arty farty guy. Like I get that. I get stuff when it goes all self aware and stuff. But it's just, yeah. there's a thin line, like you said, with the pie eating <laughs> thing, where sometimes it's like, oh, for God's sake, just do. It's like we do get something. it. Move yeah, we on. get it. Do a new scene. Um, next question from Anthony Attic. Um, what was the game that holds the most memories in your mind playing when you were a kid? Um, there's is Pokemon Sapphire, which is <sighs> it speaks to the age of this person compared to us because mine would be the original Pokemon. Yeah, I mean, that was such a like a, a world-eating moment, wasn't mm. it? Because you just lost yourself to it. Um, for me, probably... Um, I'd go Final Fantasy as well, like the original Final Fantasies, like discovering Seven for the first time with a friend, um, going to a friend's house and he was fighting the Midgar Zolom in amongst the lake. Oh, yeah. And just yeah. seeing that for the first time and not getting it and going like, what's that combat? And not even really <clears throat> processing it, um, but just wanting to be those characters and wanting to fight that thing and just the world of Seven and the music and everything. It's incredible. Maybe it would be for me um, either 
Ape Escape for just the amazing oh, amount of joy that I've had. But I've mentioned shout. that a lot. I think I'm going to go for a different pool now and go for Metal Gear Solid because yes. um, I think that was one of the first games that I maybe like saved up my pocket money specifically to buy because nice. I'd seen adverts for it for ages and ages and ages. And eventually when it came out, I was like, I finally had like just scrounged just enough, <laughs> went down there, literal like pound coins tumbling yep. out of my please, tiny sir. hands and just like, can I have a Metal Gear, please? <laughs> I remember when, because uh, that game came out when I was eight years old. And so I remember not understanding how the world worked and yeah. just looking at a magazine that had a picture of Metal Gear on it and thinking that must mean that it's available and getting my mum to drive me down the Metro <laughs> Centre, which is in Gateshead in the north of England. And it just wasn't there at all. It wasn't out for like months later. And <laughs> he so was we, like, oh no, but I saw a picture of but it. But I saw it a picture of it. It must be real. And they were just like, no, that's the not The day that, that you works. found out that Photoshop exists must have been devastating for you, right? <laughs> <laughs> Or it made the whole universe make sense and I've never really come back from it. Stitched everything together. But um, yeah, eventually going back from Metal Gear when, I, when it was finally out and then yeah, playing that thing, I... I've talked about this before on, on some chatty face thing, but um, I literally ran down the stairs and, and screamed to my parents that I finished Metal Gear when I finally yeah, finished it because it yeah. was like this life event for me. And they just sort of went, what? What do you mean? What's a Metal Gear? But to me, yeah, the original Metal Gear is also defining, like in terms of why I love gaming and everything else. Um, anywho, next question from Mick H. Which game do you regret buying? Either because you want to re relive the first experience or because your expectations were wrong. Um, oh, yes, uh not... Not thinking about broken games, just in terms of this is not what I wanted. Oh, right. Well, oh, well mine was not what I wanted in terms of Left Alive. Oh, man. I oh, wanted God, that game, yeah. the, the stealth game that was going to be the Metal Gear replacer. Yeah. And they with, just turned um, out to be absolute tosh. But if we're not. Doing, powers artwork. Yeah. If we're not doing replacement, like we're not doing bad games. games I guess it's, I, yeah, stuff that you like play and it's not what you wanted. The epitome of that for oh. me is Brutal Legend. Um, any, oh, oh, oh my god <laughs> oh, door, that, door. the the bloody demo that sold yeah. it like it was going to be a third person action adventure game and then the all of a sudden is, it became a, a, a real time strategy like a weird game top down RTS thing the thing is <sighs> I hated that when I was a kid because I love heavy metal I love Jack Black yeah. I love Double Fine um, and Tim Schafer and then when I played it and it was this weird RTS thing and I just felt betrayed by it I know a lot of other people did but a lot of that seems to come from the marketing and um, if you play that now more open minded Brutal Legend is actually now yeah. one of my favorite games because it's, it's one actually of the really most good. things it's great and if you just treat the open world battle segments as Eddie Riggs is just a cursor and you're just going between different yeah. areas to set different units off. It's brilliant, but it wasn't sold as that. And I remember just being so disappointed by it. Yeah. So, so good when I got it. Cause I thought, <laughs> Oh, this is going to be amazing. Mm -hmm. um, things where I felt like I was missold. Uh, I, I mean, could be like story expectations. As I well. was, I was really upset with evolve because oh, I thought that evolve was going to be brilliant. And then after about what, like, two days i was just like what what's the point of this <laughs> yeah. where's the end game this is just it wasn't like a badly made game mm -hmm. it was just that the premise was just sold as being much deeper than it was yeah i like the way that it played i had a really fun time being the monsters and stuff but it was that it's that feeling that i sometimes get with a lot of triple a stuff where you've prioritized the grind and the loop over progression mm -hmm. then it's just sort of like we've made this immaculate loop and it's like yeah but it's a really short tight loop that i'm going to get done in 20 minutes and then i can just do it forever and it's not really it's not going to work and so with evolve i like being the creatures and that kind of thing but after i felt like i'd seen all of it in about half an hour yeah and so like um, I, yeah, it was that whole thing where it was very tight and I still think it's, it was like that thing where it's like, it's objectively well-designed like yeah. for what it is, but there's nothing really there. I'll tell you what, another disappointing one was Final mm. Fantasy 13 2. Oh, God. Oh, man. 2? I, I never played Mate, two. The, the, the premise <laughs> of it was brilliant because 13, uh, like, came on. It was such a mess until, like, yeah. maybe the last, like, third of the game and then it started to make sense and then it went up its own ass. But then... <laughs> 
when 13.2 came out, all of the marketing and all of the, the reviews of it were like, oh, this fixes the issues with this uh, previous mm. game. The story is more um, like uh, understandable. The characters are more likable and you get to like select which levels you go in and you can basically go back to other levels, do events in them and it will affect oh. other levels in different timelines. And I was like, this sounds amazing mm-hmm. and kind of like something that I never knew I wanted. But then when I got to meet the characters and they're just so annoying right. and they go follow around by this bloody moogle which is just like every single I love that. Oh, mog the moogle hated it hated it um <laughs> I and i was little, so the gutted little bird that lives in that dude's afro as well oh yeah, I, yeah just give me little creatures i, I yeah final fantasy 13 that was the beginning of the dark times for final fantasy yeah it really was it's, it's finally came back with the seven remake but it was a hell of a thing um, put, 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 put final fantasy 12 side yes. by side with 13 and it's just kind of like, what are you doing? Like, <laughs> so I, I still haven't finished 12. I, I didn't like 12's battle system. Give me turn-based Final Fantasy. Um, or give it me Final takes Fantasy a bit of getting used to. Yeah, definitely. it was just a really weird feel to it. Um, we'll do one last one, and then sure. um, we'll just roll everything over to next week. Um, so next one from Sean Martin. Um, what are your thoughts on the rollout of the next-gen systems now that they've been out for nearly two months and the demand drastically still outweighs the demand? Um, also, Jules, quick shout-out. Your kind words at the end of videos are sometimes exactly what I needed to hear. And to me, thanks so much for the content over the years. Hashtag OG. I wonder uh-huh. how old, how far, how much of an OG this dude is if he remembers Mate. the text-only videos we used to do. But yeah. Mate, thank you very much for your kind words too, my friend. At the yeah. end of the day, as I said before, it's all about just uh, using our platform for positivity, making sure that people realize their worth. It's something that Scott and I were discussing before we started mm-hmm. this uh, this podcast today, actually, just realizing your worth and making sure that you know that you're bloody loved. That um, and playing Shovel Knight. Play Shovel and, Knight. Yeah, yeah, definitely play Shovel Knight as well. Yeah, a little bit um, of Shovel Knight. So in terms of the rollout of the consoles, mm-hmm. you did a news piece yesterday saying yes. that sales are really down. So what's in, going on? In Japan on? they are. It's completely tanking. Oh, right, the okay. PS5 is completely tanking in Japan. It's sold less than the PSP, less than... Um, no. The, it's less than the GameCube. It's just above the PS3. Um, is that to do with anything to do with the supply? Or is it No, like- it, it's, it seems the, the general sort of conversation around it at the minute seems to be that it's more to do with Sony's business decisions. Like they moved uh, Sony PlayStation HQ to California. They uh, oh. changed it so that the universal input um, for like OK in all games is now X, not Circle, which used to be Circle in Japan. Um, yeah. So sort of little things that I think if you were like a PlayStation diehard um, and you want, you like PlayStation, uh, Sony PlayStation being this sort of Japanese company or you're proud of them and stuff like that, um, a lot of that identity has sort of shifted and they've become more of a Western company. Yeah, Plus, um, they've been censoring a lot of Japanese games, um, lots of, you know, big boob samurai stuff, um, yeah. but stuff that didn't used to be uh, but used to be censored, um, which taken alongside the whole Western value thing, like like, you know, it's we kind of had the reverse of it from the Western side with how much um, Blizzard was sort of kowtowing to yeah. China and all that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I get that that's an ongoing conversation. But yeah, apparently the PS5 sales are tanking. Um, but yeah, in terms of like, you know, they've been out for two months um, and yeah, the demand is still ridiculous um, and the supply and stuff. It's weird. I kind of, over the holiday break, I played more old stuff than I played new stuff. Yeah. Um, just because there's just such a scarcity of new stuff. Like there's literally only Demon Souls, Godfall and Bug Snacks and that's it. And yep. Bug Snacks is not a gorgeous looking game. There's, I guess there's Astro's Playroom as well uh, on, on PS5. Everything else is just up It's just sort of like, well, yep. Borderlands 3 and 4K or whatever, Assassin's Creed in 4K. I mean, this is what I've been saying all before. I'm going mm. to wait a year until I even think about getting a next-gen console or current-gen mm-hmm. now because of the fact that I'm going to wait for the library to establish itself. Mm-hmm. Like, it's... 
it always happens. The front runner is to get that console in your living room. And then you go, <laughs> what can I play on it? And they go three or four games. Like, ah, <laughs> oh, you got me is, again, you cheeky monkey. It's really, it's interesting because they didn't do very many launch games this time. The launch lineup is just the past gen lineup with a 4K upres or with yeah. some like maybe faster loading or something like that. Um, but it's that whole thing of like, is it better to have a series of lackluster games that are brand new, like Knack or Killzone Shadowfall um, or, you know, Sun, well, I guess Sunset Over, like Rise Sun of Rome yeah. um, versus games that you already love that play better than ever. And I kind of realized that I would actually rather like the new stuff because at least it's yeah. new. Um, yeah. At least it's built for the new consoles because yeah. there's... As you know, it, it's such a scattered approach to which games feel next gen. Um, like funnily enough, Ubisoft's output, Assassin's Creed, Immortals, Phoenix Rising, Watch Dogs, feel next gen because they're full of ray tracing reflections, they're yep. up-resed, they look gorgeous. Um, but you know, it's not a Demon Souls, it's not a, a full-on next gen game. And even Godfall just looks I enjoyed Godfall at the beginning. You've been playing a lot of it. I played the very beginning of it, yeah. It, it opens so strong and then it just becomes a total grind first after the tutorial. Ah. Um, but Demon Souls is quote unquote, lit, wait, it is literally the only next gen game, like full on, this is what next gen can do style yeah. game. There's not really anything else like it. Um, and you do realize that when you start playing a variety of things on the new consoles. You'll notice as well that over the few uh, launch console uh, games that have come out for PS5, Xbox Series X, mm-hmm. um, you'll find that the fanboys are really venomously defending them. <laughs> and I think it's because it's like, you know, when you buy something and you get like a weird like buyer's remorse, mm. I think that that has translated itself over to, I bought this a bit too early. I've, I've, I bought into the hype and it's not delivering the experience I want. So these people are passionately trying to tell me at mm. every single turn that Demon's Souls is like the best game ever made now. And it's like, well, I know I've already played it. I played like it in 2009. Yeah. yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like, and mm-hmm. everyone's just saying, like, oh, this is the reason to get this. It's like, again, either an upscaled version or it's, 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 it needs more. It kind of always did going into it. It's, it's not that the new consoles as pieces of hardware don't feel incredible. And like when mm-hmm. you boot them up, and the, like I said, that if you get something like Spider Man Miles Morales loading the entirety of New York in literally two seconds is incredible. Mad, yeah. Uh, and that stuff's great, but it, it's not capitalizing on it yet. Um, and some of that is obviously just going to be because of the, the hashtag year we had, um, yeah. plus just the reality of what's coming out for the rest of this year. Um, but yeah, my thoughts are that I, I, I'm yet to be fully impressed. Like I sort of had, yeah. you know, I, I like what's there but there's clearly a lot of potential that's yet to be tapped into and i personally effing hated demon souls because it just felt <laughs> like the most backwards outdated horrible thing and i was like yeah i am playing something from 2009 that feels like a tech demo for where they went after this you love getting hate hatred oh. from the most passionate of crowds don't you you love just I, like honestly i tweeted it out after i finished it i was like oh I'm, I'm glad i finished it but i didn't enjoy that at all and most of the comments were like yeah it's definitely like a precursor to dark souls <laughs> and i can see why dark souls took off yeah. so much more yeah. Um, and just the boss battles and everything in Demons were just gimmicky as hell. It looks beautiful, though. Like, nice puddles get reflected and everything. Um, so there is oh, that. Do you know, the, the one thing I don't like is that the uh, they put, like, uh, like flab wobbles. Like, uh, when, when, like when you strike the like, <laughs> Vanguard bosses, like, the butt cheeks wobble. And, oh, ugh, get out of there. Not no, going to lie, I wasn't looking for the specific flab wobble of the old butt Unfortunately, I, I've done a, um, just recorded today, uh, what every... Demon Souls fan thinks of every Demon Souls boss, and <laughs> I had to watch some uh, Vanguard footage, and I was just like, nice. "Ugh, gross!" In 4K, no, ten yeah. flab flabs, ten Ugh. flab flaps you missed. But yes, Ugh. we um, will carry over the remaining questions to next week. We also have some stuff from the end of 2020, and that we can roll together to the take trough next week. Nice. And for now, though, this has been the Untitled Banterpod. I've been your host, joined by Mr. Jules Gale. Thank you very much for having me. I don't think I said my name. I'm Scott Taylor, and we'll catch you <laughs> next week. Thank you, UBP. 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 UBP.
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.